0: The response has been tremendous. And many customers have come forward and said, where do I sign? I'll take six. Clearly, there's a a great need. We've hit a pain point with an offering that's palpable, that's doable. We're 100% in it. We're directing how this can be done. And we're laying a foundation for our customers to receive a supported person who's been attracted to the mainframe environment
1: and now Hi and welcome to Conversations with Des. I'm Des Blanchfield, your host, and today I have another exciting guest to join us in the studio today. I have Deborah Carbo. Now, Deborah is the Director of Product Management in the Mainframe Division of Broadcom. Deborah, thanks so much for making time to join us on the show.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to join you today on this podcast, Des. Thank you.
1: Indeed. Well, I should uh, also uh, highlight for listeners that we had the pleasure of catching up. uh, And I met you in person in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago at the Share event. And uh, we had the pleasure of getting on camera, which is uh, an interview going live soon. Um, So I was really keen to uh, get you on the show. And I really appreciate you making time because I know you're on the road at the moment uh, running around the country doing uh, client meetings.
0: I am. In fact, I'm uh, calling in from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Wow, and just arrived here a few hours ago, so it worked out perfectly. I had my evening free and looking forward to this chat.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you. I know it's a challenge at the end of a busy day. Now, I would love to dive into the detail of what your role as director of product management of uh, the mainframe division at Broadcom is, and what a day in the life of Deborah Carbo is like. But before we do that, I wonder if we could maybe just take a moment to get to know you a little bit better. uh, Maybe some insights to. Where you're originally from and where you grew up and any fun uh, academic and career path anecdotes you might want to share?
0: Oh, happy to. I actually have uh, an incredibly robust and interesting career, really primarily around the mainframe space. In fact, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, so I'm a New York City girl at heart. And I managed to maintain a career in New York State for a good 25 years. Um, Originally, my first role out of college was actually in the not-for-profit space. I was uh, one of these gals thinking that she'd save the world, and even though I had a technology degree, I wasn't after the big buck. I was after doing good. And uh, I ran a mid-size IT shop for an organization that Delivered services to the disabled, and frankly, I was very happy doing that. And I learned a lot about people while I was learning about technology.
1: Wow, that's I, I, um, I remember reading some of your bio and seeing a bit of that. Um, what uh, What was it specifically about that space that attracted you? That made you wanted to take that little segue after having done a, a degree in technology and business space?
0: You know, the feeling that you can contribute really complex skill sets in a space that is starving for it, that really, really needs talent, appeal to me. Um, In particular, I'm very focused on people in general. And if I knew that the work I did would ultimately bring value to people who needed it most, that, in fact, is what drove me and, and why I chose that space. Um, Granted, I eventually did leave the not-for-profit sector and I landed actually at IBM in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, where I got further in my mainframe career. In particular, I joined IBM in the global services arm and focused on supporting large corporations' mainframe middleware. Um, It was very, very demanding work, Um, great place to uh, uh, grow and expand my skill set. And I loved it. I loved it. I I had a a good 20 years at IBM in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and had a number of roles.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing space. I had the pleasure of being there for a a week behind the scenes, as we called it, uh, with the recent uh, launch of the Z14. Uh, although it was in the middle of winter and I made the mistake of going for a 10K run and I got about three kilometers and, oh. and turned around because I realized I was a popsicle.
0: <laughs> oh my, yes, I, I imagine you were.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was ill prepared for it. Um, but indeed, IBM is certainly an amazing place to, to develop those skills and, and, and Poughkeepsie is a beautiful space. I love that river and I had the pleasure of going to, I think it's the, uh, what is it, the Culinary Institute of America recently for the most amazing meal. I think it's a, a training school for for chefs. And you came through IBM and then into CA and obviously now in Broadcom with the, the recent uh, acquisition of CA by Broadcom. Maybe we can circle back into your uh, current role as far as uh, Director of Product Management goes. Uh, as Director of Product Management inside the mainframe division in Broadcom, what, what, what does that role entail? It sounds to me like a very broad role um, with a bunch of key verticals you're diving into. What's a day in the life of Deborah Cardo in that role like and what are some of the fun challenges you're facing currently?
0: So in product or offering management, we have a responsibility to ensure the success and longevity of mainframe, mission-critical products in the market. And, And in order to ensure the success of a product in market, really what I spend my time doing is focusing on our customer. I truly am looking at meetings with customers and focusing on those meetings to really understand their needs. I mean, frankly, it's really about building a relationship with your partner, right? Whether it be your customer or any partner in the ecosystem and understanding what their pain points are takes time. It takes time. You can't just ask a question, get an answer, solve a problem. There's a journey that you go on to uncover and unwind the actual source of the issues that customers face. And my role in product management is to take that knowledge and understanding of the pain points that our customers face and turn that into new value, value that solves the customer's problem that they have, but also value in solving problems they don't even realize they will have and that's how i spend
1: my time and you spend a lot of it on the road i mean you made an interesting comment before we went on air and uh, i'd love to get your thoughts on it there's a you know there's a push to that whole self-service and online buying experience at certain levels of uh, the consumer space i mean you know we all, we all sort of order food and it arrives at our front door and we we, we push buttons and movies just play but when we're talking about the the type of business solutions, and as you said, the mission cr- mission critical uh, uh, products and services and capabilities and platforms you're working on. It must be the case, it, it's still a case of people doing business with people and that you've, you've got to go and spend time with those clients, you've got to get to know them, you've got to build that rapport and trust, and you've got to have a, almost an intimate knowledge of, of their organization and their key challenges before you can even have a conversation about the technology choices. Is that more and more the case now that people are sort of and not so much circling back but re-realizing that they can't just click a button and download an instant solution to a, a zillion-dollar pro- problem. They've really got to have an in-depth knowledge of of, of the organization, the key challenges, and, and particularly with the scale and scope of the investment they're making because they have a long-term ROI. Are you seeing either a resurgence of that or has that always been the case that you, you've just got to be on the road and spending time in front of people?
0: You know, I, I think many companies get this right, right? They really do understand the relationship necessary in order to really understand the source of problems people have. And I I say people because while, yes, it's true, we are taking care of business issues, people manage the business, and we're looking to them to help us understand what those problems are. And certainly, in order to be credible and to be accepted, there's a level of trust necessary that we out here, those who have um, mainframe businesses, software, hardware, whatever it might be, you know that we get it, right? And and it takes time to do that. You you cannot translate that in a point and click activity, absolutely not. And and uh, the layers of. Um, system levels, the the various layers, such as, you know, the the hardware itself, you know, followed by operating system, followed by middleware, you know, databases and other such things, um, followed by applications. You know, all of those layers have to be essentially unfolded um, so that you really understand where in that spectrum, right, you can help and where your customer is most concerned. Often it's about the technology, and frankly, more and more so, it's been about skills. You know, the mainframe platform, I mean, it's playing a central role in the world's largest corporations. And and we know that they rely on the mainframe for its record of resiliency, scalability, and security. And it's kept pace in the digital economy. So by no means, you know, is the mainframe old in any way. And I think that the perception, right, has has changed through the engagement and the discussions that mainframe vendors have had with customers over the years. And and these mainframes, they just keep running and they stay relevant.
1: It's interesting you make that point uh, with regards to the mainframe. And, and as you said, uh, and quote, unquote, it just keeps running. I had a guest on air with me uh, recently who actually had this great line where they talked about the Porsche 911. And it turns out apparently the Porsche 911 came out around the same time as the, the new CMOS edition of the mainframe platform some decades ago. And the comment was made that you know when you go and buy a 2019 edition Porsche 911 car, You naturally assume it's the latest and greatest and it's got new leather seats and push buttons and it's got uh, some uh, apps inside the, the dashboard and so forth and all the new modern conveniences and a digital key. And yet for some reason there's been this perception that the mainframe was a legacy platform and that it was getting old and not relevant anymore. And yet when you buy a 2019 edition mainframe platform, it has all of the latest and greatest and modern pieces. In fact, it's got the fastest CPU on the planet and one of the most secure platforms and operating systems and tools and And even now as as on your website uh, I read the other day there's a great overview around that whole topic of success in the digital economy that you referred to a moment ago, and I read this great line saying that um uh, essentially that what you were just talking about that when we think about the hybrid i t architectures we 've got well, the mainframe's been a mainstay for that for decades and decades, but that it 's the latest and greatest technology it 's the platform that just keeps running, but it goes through all the same updates and refresh and new technology cycles that any other platform would do and this perception that it was sort of a legacy thing is it's such a misnomer that it it almost drives me in saying that people don't get that is that a perception that you see out there regularly where people think for some reason that it's this legacy platform and maybe yes it just keeps running but they don't fully understand it gets exactly the same investment and r&d and 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 refresh that every other platform the planet might get
0: you know the only people that I run into who have that perception are people who have never done any work around a mainframe, have never had a job or a responsibility where mainframe was a key tenant in the overall enterprise solution of their business. Often, CIOs will join a company where the mainframe is core, and due to lack of understanding, they will often set down a path of getting off the mainframe, and frankly, the mainframe is incredibly robust. I mean, I'm I'm passionate about the mainframe. Um, I've been passionate for 20 years, and I'm I'm passionate because of the incredible technology, the modern technology, but also about the people who run it, and and they're very special. Mainframers are special. And I remain on this platform, primarily, because I want to keep working with the intelligent, hardy, and hardworking people that support this platform for decades to come. Uh, So to your question, the only people that say those things are people who don't know anything about the mainframe. And we have to do more to make sure the value is keenly understood.
1: That's a good point. I, I have the same view of people who have, you know, they naysayers of cloud or naysayers of, of blockchain or naysayers of various new and emerging technologies. You know, I've got people who, who can't stand agile because they don't get it. Uh, they they mock uh, uh, Kanban walls or po- uh, Post-it notes. Uh, and yet, as you just said, it's often because either they have no experience or they're naive or they're just, uh, you know, afraid of change. Um, but there was a great line I saw on one of the articles on the um, Broadcom uh, mainframe. Vision's website that said that 75% of organizations will have a deployed multi-cloud or hybrid cloud model by 2020. Now, that's less than six months' time. And I think this is a a quote that came out of some market insights from Gartner that you'd worked on with them. And one of the things that underpinned all this, and I guess this comes back to some of the skill stuff we're about to talk about, and that is that when we think about cloud in general and cloud models and cloud-native applications it's forgivable some people may not have understood that the mainframe was one of the best cloud platforms in the world or that a lot of the big clouds are powered by mainframes or at least behind them are mainframes taking the, the orders and holding the money and doing the airline bookings but to say that 75 percent of organizations will 100 percent have a deployed multi-cloud or hybrid cloud model by next year 2020 uh, means that people should not only have mainframes in an environment but they probably already do and they're, they're depending on them so i guess that comes back to the challenge of sourcing the right skills with the ability to develop those apps and tools and uh, cloud-native stacks, and and I guess adopting open source in many ways as well, because that seems to be a big part of what's happening in the mainframe. Tell us about what's happening in that space as far as this perceived skills shortage and and what you're doing currently around that, how you're addressing that challenge with what you're doing inside the, the mainframe division at Broadcom, but also with your customers and clients.
0: You know, to put some of your comments in perspective, If you realize that 70% of the world's data today resides on the mainframes, and thousands and thousands of modern mainframes are in production in the world, I mean, they're gonna be there for decades, and they're gonna be part of these hybrid environments and the hybrid cloud. 100%, it will go on and on. The question I have around that is, Who will be ready to keep them running? And when we talk about skills and you put it in that context and you realize, wow, that data that runs the world is going to keep running the world. We're not offloading that data. That's the system of record. Right. We've got to figure out how to prepare new people coming into the environment um, to have the... Knowledge, the capabilities, um, the exposure and the experience to keep these mainframes running in the world. I mean, really, banks, insurance companies, healthcare, governments, most Fortune 500s are growing on the mainframe. They continue to grow. Um, they're going to need system programmers. The guys who install and configure system software Right. They're going to need application developers for the mainframe, you know, the people who design and code applications that expand their businesses to mobile, to to you know all sorts of you know uh, direct selling paths, um, and they're going to need computer operators, people who introduce new workloads, right, new new um, transactions, um, batch jobs, and and in my travels. My exposure to customers, um, many have um, done a good job in succession planning. so it's it's not all bleak. There are a tremendous amount of uh, companies out there who put a smart plan together and went and executed their plan, right to to have a, a path forward. Um, Whereas people retire, they have people who who are coming up behind them and growing. Um, And and the companies have invested in the platform for decades. But some have failed in that crucial area. Some are finding themselves caught between a rock and a hard place where they haven't developed new people to replace their 30- and 40-year mainframe veterans uh, who are about to retire this year. And and people are in that position where they've lost the core talent and they simply did not have a succession plan. Um, And it's about time we start prioritizing recruitment and mentoring for the mainframe. And if we can help that um, uh, and solve that solution in in Broadcom, we are. Um, Frankly, You know, as as a technology leader, the prospect of finding trained talent in the mainframe space to take over is overwhelming. Um, You're not going to find trained people. Right. And then and then even if you brought somebody on having the stamina and the resources to properly bring them up to speed, I mean, it's got folks running for cover, looking for help, um, panicking, talking about getting off the mainframe when they know that the power of that platform is running their business um, and it's essential. Right. Um, Broadcom is changing that, and we've got an interesting program I'd love to share with you.
1: Indeed. Well, I know that the thing that strikes me here is that you've solved most of the mission-critical and operational and development challenges across the platform. And I know from you know, the front-end DevOps and application development and tools and integration and build through to security and compliance and then the back-end operations and management. From a platform point of view and from a software and a services point of view, you've you've nailed those to the wall. Now I, I love the fact that you're solving the human component of it. And I, I would love to hear more about it because I know you've got a couple of programs around, one called Vitality and also the, the associate software uh, uh, side of things. Uh, what can you tell us about where that's at currently and, and where's what's the direction on that?
0: Yeah, and, and I'm so glad you characterized it that way, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, companies have trusted us with their technology for so many years, and and we want them to trust us to solve the skills problem. Um, One of the things that we started thinking about was we have our own onboarding training program, and, and it's been in place for years, years before I got here. A well run associate software engineering program. And that's where CA, at the time, now Broadcom, has hired students, graduates out of university, and then instructed them on the foundational components that make up a mainframe. We're talking everything from subsystems and the variety of subsystems, whether it be networking or, you know, SysPlex and the way in which the operating system functions as it layers on top of those subsystems um, all the way through assembler, language, COBOL, and other, quote, what you would say, legacy languages Um, in addition to more modern languages. Um, And that ASE program received such great recognition, and we had such a a great track record. Um, When I joined, I thought, well, how can we parlay this and provide some sort of solution beyond what we're doing for ourselves? How can we expand this and open this up? So one thing Broadcom has done is they have agreed to open up that associate software engineering program to customers if the customer um, would like to send one of their hires maybe they hired a recent graduate they can send them to our program so that's one aspect of opening up and giving back right but beyond that beyond this really incredible solution that. Um, developed over all these years for ourselves and offering that to customers, we were thinking about the problem of a customer who doesn't know how to attract the right individual and then figuring out who, who would serve the mainframe workforce. Well, the types of people, the, the affinity to complex problems, Um, having IT backgrounds, but not necessarily knowing the mainframe, how do you grow those people? And again, many people struggle, right? It takes so many years for them to be productive. You've heard all of those things. Uh, It'll take three to five years before this person is going to be giving anything meaningful back. Um, And then once you've attracted them and you started them down this path of growth, retaining them in an environment where maybe they're the only young person in the shop and everyone else is the age of their grandparents, right? That, that truly, that, that dynamic truly is um, overwhelming and, and and you really need to approach it thoughtfully. And how, how could we at Broadcom do that? So we thought, how about this? We source resources and, and new hires, not necessarily right out of college, but, We do hire out of college, but we would also look for people who have IT careers, just not necessarily in mainframe. Maybe they're a third of their way in and they need to be introduced to the mainframe. Or maybe they're veterans and have had technology roles in the military and they can be retrained These are the types of individuals, once we vet them for, you know, having the right um, temperaments and teaming capability and communication skills and all the other soft things that are needed and the ability to, you know, think in in terms of solving complex problems, we then are training them by our experts. We put them through programs like the Mainframe Academy, which is an online um, foundational education where um, uh, our customers can participate, but these hires are running through the mainframe academy, followed by joining the ASEs. So say we have a class of 30 new hires that are coming in to Broadcom, we will then add another say 20 or more um, vitality participants, people we've hired with those characteristics that I described that are destined to eventually be hired by our customer. We put them through that ASE training and then they go through yet another seven or eight weeks of deep product knowledge. And we focus on specific products that are complex like database management systems, workload, some DevOps, security, and we get them deep knowledge direct from our experts on those Areas and those products that um, Broadcom currently supports and continues to invest in. Once all of that is done, and that, say, takes, let's say that takes four to six months um, to complete, we have, in that time, partnered with some of our customers to find out who's in need. And we agree with our customer that if we support the education and training and we assign a mentor from Broadcom's um, expert um, workforce, if the customer would also assign a mentor, we could place that candidate on-site in the customer shop. All the while, they're our employee. And what we would do is, together, a Broadcom mentor And the customer's mentor would partner to build those skills while the um, vitality candidate or is on a residency program at the customer site. The idea behind all of this is to demonstrate how this can be done and then to ultimately make this candidate available for hire by the customer. It's, It's truly an incredible program and I have to say a very rewarding one for me to be part of.
1: Oh, I can only imagine. And it seems to me there's there's a couple of takeaways from that, that I'd love to circle back to just quickly. I mean the, the whole education and training piece has been part of the DNA uh, of of the original CA brand and now the, the Broadcom part of the business and mainframe. As long as my career goes back, I'm I'm i I've been through a series of these, the likes of the Agile Academy. You've got a whole bunch of stuff that's even more recent around the API Academy stuff. You've got all this online training that's either self-service and self-driven or it's done through online stuff in structured format. And um, there was an interesting comment I saw somewhere on the website ages ago when I was doing my homework for the show, and that is that there was a quote along the lines that adding as little as 1.5% of the project budget to training ended up with something like a 50 to 80% increase in success rates in the projects that are being run. And I looked at this, and thought, well, this is a no-brainer ROI. Like <laughs> you're essentially saying, for the you know, in the grand scheme of things, for for a sake of a cup of a coffee, you're going to create a, an outcome that's successful. Um, so it seems to me that this, there's a whole bunch of natural fits in here, and that is that it's been part of the DNA and, and the operating model, the modus operandi, I feel like, for the organisation to do support and training and, and certification and awareness and keep people current. Now that you've extended that, as you said, either to new entrants to the job market or to re-entrance, so that whether they're the, the veterans coming back from military service or or even just veterans of key industries, maybe someone who's had a background in in aviation and transport logistics now wants to get into banking or yes. whatever. To me, it seems like such a natural fit that I. it's like, it must have been like a eureka moment or an aha moment when this clicked together and you're like, hey, we, we've been doing this for a long time. We just go to package in a slightly more, uh, I guess, current form. And Because I know that, I mean, I had the amazing uh, Sai Guja on the show recently. And, I mean, she goes back to, I forget how many years back now, that her own career path was sort of built through this program. So she's all, all, currently inside the organization having been through the ASC side of things. And when I was in uh, in Pittsburgh the other day and, and had the pleasure of meeting herself and, and a couple of associates, I met a couple of your ASCs and had them on camera, but I also had uh, one lovely lady whose name escapes me, and she came from a client through the program. And their experience was almost identical, other than some had come from new entrant straight from college or school. Uh, the the latter lady had come through an existing role, in an organization who you were partnering with, come into the program, and then was going to go back. The three things that jumped out at me were that um, you've been doing this for a long time, and now it's just a natural fit with what the market requirement is. You've taken a leadership role in owning it and solving the problem, which seems to be a natural fit with what you've done in software and platform support. But what I love, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it now, is that you seem to place a sensible and fair level of ownership in the client side of things, saying they've come to come to the party. That, you know, Through that mentorship program of providing a seat for someone to go and sit in and work through and somebody to help mentor and onboard them, you weren't going to just drop them like a hot potato at the end of this program and wish them well, that you're bringing the final part of this formula and success story to the table, which is the clients, the customers, people that are going to hire these people. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on how that part of the puzzle's working and and what the reaction has been like so far from, from organizations you're working with who've come to the table and said, yeah, we, we would love to meet these people. We'd love to onboard them. And that solves a great deal of pain for us.
0: Yes. You know, it was really, really overwhelming um, the response has been tremendous to our offering. And many customers have come forward and said, where do I sign, right? I'll take six, right? <laughs> Things like that. Wow. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, clearly, clearly there's a, a great need. We've, you know, hit a pain point um, with an offering that's palpable, that's that's doable, because we're in it, we're 100% in it. Um, We're directing how um, this can, can be done and we're laying a foundation for our customers to receive a supported person, a supported person who's been attracted to the mainframe environment, who now understands the value of it in the world. A supported person who's grown over the course of six months, mentored and guided alongside other people that look just like them, right? Early in their career, maybe in the first third of their career, and 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 with a, a mentor from our company at Broadcom that will have a relationship with them for life. To the point that you are making with regard to how we are placing ownership on our customers and responsibility, in order to participate, they have to be willing to have skin in the game with us as well. Now, we are doing this at low to no cost for our customers. If our customer can step up and say, I commit to um, being in the position to make a job offer, I commit to assigning the best mentor I can find within my organization. Those things are necessary to demonstrate that there is a career here in mainframe. And without that message to these vitality residents, if we don't supply the message that there's a career and they're fully supported, we will not retain them. And and that's why it's so critical for us to partner for us to expect from each other, right? The highest possible commitment to these people. And, and, you know, I kind of reflect back on the origin of my IT career and not-for-profit, and I realized I went into this space because I knew that what I did in IT made a difference for somebody in the world, a real difference for an individual. In, in that in that time it was people with disabilities. Well, I feel as though that that's come full circle for me. I'm making a huge difference for people in the world today. The, the candidates who are breathing you know this kind of like breath of fresh air in the mainframe space, they didn't even realize it existed. They didn't realize, that mainframes run the world and they're so vital that if a mainframe goes down, an entire country can go down. And just knowing that you're working on something so vital that you know you know runs the financial um, transactions across the world, it's it's an overwhelming sense of pride to be part of something like that. And I I think we at Broadcom are doing that. In fact, I know we're doing that. We expect our customers to come with that same level of passion, to partner with us. And there's nothing that can stop us to solving this problem if we come with that attitude.
1: Uh, Indeed. I think um, uh, you yourself are a force of nature. And and uh, as I said, I've been following your career path and, and love what you've been doing from your very first role. Uh, through to following you on Twitter, I loved your post recently. I think it was back uh, on the 17th, so roughly about 10 days ago. You, uh, you tweeted that you were catching up with the uh, Mainframe Skills and Vitality team uh, who do the recruiting at Columbus State University. And uh, I just love that literally every day you've got this drumbeat of getting out there, doing what you're saying, you're doing, you're living and breathing it. And there's no doubt that you are changing the landscape significantly and, and meeting the challenge head on. Uh, And I've loved hearing what you've been doing with that on a day-to-day basis. One of the things I'd love to do before we wrap up, though, is I love asking my guests to gaze into a crystal ball and sort of take a bit of a a long-term view of what's over the horizon. I mean, it's been great to learn about what you're doing on the platform and what you're doing around that skills shortage challenge, and then certainly the, the whole shifting landscape about where to develop and find and grow their skills, both from the new entrance to the market through to the folk who might just uh, want to retrain or reinvent themselves, uh, as, as often the case is, and certainly I'm no stranger to that over my working life and so forth. Uh, I mean, I started out as a mainframe operator at the age of 14 to 15 after school, doing part-time work, and, and here I am at the age of 51 doing <laughs> uh, a digital and social publishing and, and podcasts, so, you know, they couldn't be any more opposite. Um, but uh, as a final question, if you don't mind, I mean, if you were going to gaze into a crystal ball in a virtual sense and just look over the horizon for the next three to five years, Uh, where do you think we're going to be or or even potentially where would you like us to be? What's the ideal end state for us in the next few years?
0: You know, when it comes to the mainframe platform, the focus that I see to address future needs is the simplification of the connection of the mainframe to the broader enterprise. Um, I see that simplifying and unlocking systems of record with ease so that people who don't have knowledge of the underlying foundational elements can very easily write applications in the most modern languages in order to exploit something as complex as a, a mainframe. I, I, I see APIs and RESTful APIs and you know, all of these elements, you know, including you know, open open mainframe project and and many other uh, things that are going on around us now. It's it's allowing the mainframe to remain a key actor in any hybrid enterprise environments, and you know, with that tying together distributed systems and mainframe systems, and the use of intelligent operations solutions or self-driving data centers, self-healing systems, it'll really reduce the need for deep skills. There'll be there'll always be a need for deep skills, but on a day-to-day basis, the more automation that we can build, the better off we'll be so that we can focus on other things that will grow around the platform and that's that's kind of my take on where we're going in the next three to five
1: it's indeed an exciting future and it reminds me of a conversation i had uh, with some associates recently in the banking and wealth management and finance industry sector were behind a boardroom door where they were complaining and bemoaning about the challenge of getting cloud native apps and devops and open source and Hadoop and spark and python and whatnot ...on their big iron, and I scratched my head and said, you've got to be joking, don't you? I mean, this is the, the mainframe is the biggest Linux machine on the planet, and they just looked at each other and went, what? And I spent two and a half hours over lunch explaining performing Jedi mind tricks with a whiteboard marker, which is another conversation I'd love to have with you. But, deborah it's been absolutely fantastic to, to get an hour with you, and thank you so much for making time at the end of your busy day on the road. It's been great to catch up with you and have you on the show finally, and I really loved having you on camera the other day, which is, as I said, a video interview going live uh, any day now. And I would love to have you back on the show at some time soon in the future.
0: It's really wonderful to be here with you and with your listeners. And, you know, I'd welcome an opportunity anytime to talk with you on any topic
1: you're wonderful thank you again deborah it's been great to have you and uh, folks be sure to tune in for our next show Uh, you've had the amazing pleasure of having uh, an hour of insights and amazing valuable information from the wonderful deborah carver who's the director of product management at the mainframe division of broadcom jump online and just google her name you'll find her linkedin profile you'll see her on twitter make sure you follow her and do reach out when you get a pain point that she and her team can solve and the broadcom mainframe team as a whole and with that uh, thank you again deborah it's been great and we look forward to having you on the show again soon
0: Take care.